Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. The show is brought to you by Pariah Pickups. What you want, what you need, what you love. Check them out at pariahpickups.com. And if you want to support the No Sleep Till Sudbury podcast on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash Brent Jensen Music for details. And once again, I'm also available for music-based speaking engagements. So for more information on that, visit brentjensenmusic.com or email info at brentjensenmusic.com. All right, this week I want to pay tribute to the memory of a very talented and popular musician, and by all accounts, a really terrific human being, Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins. Learning of the passing of musicians we admire and love is always difficult, but it's a little more difficult when they're younger. The shock runs a little deeper, and there's an added dimension to the sadness in considering a life cut much shorter, so much earlier. Regardless of how they go, it's a waste, and it's a tremendous shame. And in the case of Taylor Hawkins, this couldn't be more true. Oliver Taylor Hawkins was born February 17, 1972, in Fort Worth, Texas. The Hawkins family moved to Laguna Beach in California four years later, where Hawkins would grow up. He graduated from Laguna Beach High in 1990. Hawkins grew up idolizing classic rock drummers, people like Phil Collins from Genesis, Ringo Starr from The Beatles, Derek and the Dominoes drummer Jim Gordon, and Neil Peart from Rush. But Hawkins' two major inspirations were Queen drummer Roger Taylor and Stuart Copeland of The Police. He claimed that the styles of these two drummers shaped a wide playing style spectrum that he would consider his foundation as a player. Hawkins would play along to Queen and Police songs as a kid to hone his skills, most often Queen's News of the World record. Neil Peart and Rush would lead Hawkins to Genesis and their 1977 live record, Seconds Out. Hawkins considered Collins a master for his drumming and his singing contributions. In his early 20s, Hawkins was in a band in Orange County called Sylvia before getting his first of a few big breaks. In 1994, Hawkins was 22, working at a music store, when he had a conversation with somebody that he had met there. During this conversation, the individual asked him what he planned to do with his life. Hawkins responded that he wanted to be in, quote, a big bad old rock and roll band. He was then told about Canadian singer Sass Jordan, who was preparing to tour Europe as the opening act for Aerosmith. She was looking for a drummer. Hawkins auditioned and he got the gig, earning his first paycheck as a professional musician that summer, touring Europe and North America, playing drums for Jordan. The band returned to the States later in the year for the final leg of the tour, their last show being in Hollywood, opening for Steve Perry. At that show, another Canadian songstress would be in attendance. Along with her manager, Alanis Morissette saw Hawkins play for the first time. He would join her band shortly after. From June 1995 through to March 1997, on the tour supporting what was rapidly becoming one of the biggest hit records of the 90s, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, Hawkins played to sold-out crowds around the world, and according to him, had some of the best times of his life during this period. 
Hawkins also appeared in Morissette's videos for You Oughta Know, All I Really Want, and You Learn. After 1996 spring tour and supported their debut record entitled Foo Fighters, former Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl took his new band into the studio, with producer Gil Norton to record their second album, The Color and the Shape. Conflicts arose between Grohl and drummer William Goldsmith during the recording sessions, allegedly due to Grohl's request for Goldsmith to continually re-record his drum parts. Goldsmith claimed that Grohl was a perfectionist who had him record 96 takes of a single song. According to Grohl, there were some good performances in Goldsmith's playing, but the majority of it just wasn't up to Grohl's standards. The band elected to take a break from recording, regrouping in Los Angeles in early 1997, more or less re-recording the entire record, with Grohl recording all the drum tracks. Goldsmith was not informed that this was the case, learning later from then-bassist Nate Mandel that his tracks were deleted and re-recorded by Grohl. It was later suggested by Grohl to Goldsmith that he remain with the band as a touring drummer only, spurring Goldsmith's departure from the band. The Color in the Shape was released on May 20, 1997. Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins were acquaintances around this time, and Grohl called him for his input in seeking a new drummer to join the Foo Fighters. Grohl made this call assuming Hawkins was not at all interested in leaving Alanis Morissette's touring band, given the fact that she was a bigger act than the Foo's at the time. Much to Grohl's delight, however, Hawkins suggested that he be the new Foo Fighters drummer telling Grohl that he wanted to be part of an actual band, rather than just a drummer for a solo act. So on March 18, 1997, the Foo Fighters announced Taylor Hawkins would be their new drummer. Hawkins' first appearance with the band was in the music video for their new single, Monkey Wrench, even though the song had been previously recorded before he joined the band. In addition to playing drums with the Foo Fighters, Hawkins also played guitar, and piano on a number of recordings. He sang on a Foo's cover of Pink Floyd's Have a Cigar for the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. He also sang lead on In Your Honor's Cold Day in the Sun and Sunday Rain from Foo Fighters' record Concrete and Gold. And, of course, he's well known for his live lead vocal on Queen's Somebody to Love. Hawkins was a regular songwriting contributor as well, being named as a co-writer on every Foo Fighters album since 1999's there is nothing left to lose. Hawkins often collaborated with other musicians outside the Foo Fighters, contributing to several side projects. In 2006, he started Taylor Hawkins and the Coattail Riders, reuniting with former Morissette touring bandmate Chris Chaney. The Coattail Riders released three records and featured appearances from Queen's Brian May and Roger Taylor. Cars guitarist Elliot Easton and his pal Dave Grohl. Hawkins also fronted a cover band called Chevy Metal with his buddies Mick Murphy and Wiley Hogden, releasing an album called Birds of Satan in 2014. During the pandemic, Hawkins collaborated in his Los Angeles home studio with Chaney and guitarist Dave Navarro, calling the project NHC. Last year, Grohl would refer to Hawkins as his brother from another mother his best friend, and a man for whom he would take a bullet. In his memoir entitled, The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music, 
an excerpt from the book reads, During his stint as Alanis Morissette's drummer, long before he became a Foo Fighter, we would bump into each other backstage at festivals all over the world. And our chemistry was so obvious that even Alanis herself once asked Taylor, What are you going to do when Dave asks you to be his drummer? Part Beavis and Butthead, part Dumb and Dumber, we were a hyperactive blur of air drumming wherever we went. In August 2001, Hawkins overdosed on heroin, leaving him in a coma for two weeks. Grohl was said to have been in the hospital at his bedside for the duration of those two weeks until Hawkins woke up. During his hospital stay, Grohl publicly shared that he was prepared to quit music. The song, On the Mend, from the 2005 Foo Fighters record In Your Honor, was written by Grohl about Hawkins while he was in his coma. For his part, Hawkins had this to say about the overdose. I was partying a lot. I wasn't a junkie, per se, but I was partying. There was a year where the partying just got a little too heavy. This guy gave me the wrong line with the wrong thing one night, and I woke up going, what happened? That was a real changing point for me. I'm lucky. I'm real lucky. In that same interview, Hawkins also indicated that he was now sober. In speaking with Rolling Stone magazine about his health in 2001, Hawkins said, I'm healthy. I'm good. I get sinus infections really bad. But I just found out from my doctor. I got all my blood tests and my heart and everything checked. And my doctor goes, dude, you're in amazing shape. Your heart's big, but it's because you exercise a lot. It's like a runner's heart. And that's fine. Emergency responders received word on the evening of Friday, March 25, about an individual suffering from chest pains in a hotel north of Bogota, Colombia. An ambulance was dispatched to the scene. When paramedics arrived, they witnessed a private health provider attempting to resuscitate Taylor Hawkins, but efforts were unsuccessful. Hawkins was 50 years old. On March 27, Columbia's Attorney General stated that initial urine toxicological analysis found 10 different substances in Hawkins' system at the time of death, including THC, tricyclic antidepressants, benzodiazepines, and opioids. Substance volumes were not provided, and the investigation continues. The preliminary cause of death was listed as cardiovascular collapse. An autopsy revealed that Hawkins' heart weighed 600 grams, twice the size of a man's heart, his age and size. Last December, the Foo Fighters were forced to cancel a scheduled appearance at the Formula One championship race in Abu Dhabi. The band issued a statement apologizing for the cancellation due to an unexpected turn of events, but no further details were issued. A promoter for the event later alleged that a member of the band had to be hospitalized before boarding their flight. He claimed to have received a phone call from Foo Fighters management telling him a band member had to be rushed to the hospital in Chicago. The identity of that band member was not disclosed, and no official statement was ever released. Two days before the death of Taylor Hawkins, the Foo Fighters were in Paraguay for a festival show. 
A nine-year-old girl set up her drum kit outside the Foo Fighters Hotel, hoping to catch the attention of the band. After about 30 minutes of the girl playing Foo Fighters and Nirvana songs, Taylor Hawkins appeared from the hotel, looking for the girl. They spoke briefly, and Hawkins posed for a photo with her. Upon learning of Hawkins' death, the following message was posted on the girl's Instagram account. We will remember him for his charisma and the beautiful gesture he had with Emma. Taylor Hawkins gave us something to believe in. He was, and always will be, an inspiration. Rest easy, Taylor Hawkins. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 